We'll get the final numbers and lots more thoughts on the whole Bernardo case Tuesday at 7 with our live special Talk TV, The Bernardo Trial. And we want your views. Fax us, email us, call us, and then join us live Tuesday at 7. Her body dismembered in the shallow waters of Lake Gibson. Kristen French's body was found on a side road. This case is just above and beyond any other murder trial that I've ever covered. Curiosity, that was it. Who, with such a sick mind, would do something like this? I think the facts will speak for themselves. She's just as sick as he is. It doesn't seem real to read How it. How can we respond to horrors that are beyond our imagination? And he looks so innocent and everything in the papers. Paul Bernardo, guilty. Good evening and welcome to our talk television special tonight. Days after Paul Bernardo was convicted of the first-degree murders of Kristen French and Leslie Mahaffey, many questions about the case remain. Carla's deal, Bernardo's appeal, and the other charges he still faces. Over the next hour, we're going to hear from you, as well as our panel of special guests on this night of talk television. But first, the victims of this horror. Quiet communities two innocent girls and their unspeakable fate at the hands of this man and this woman. Leslie Mahaffey, 14, abducted June 1991. Her cruelly dismembered remains found two weeks later entombed in a lake. Found on the same day they were married. Less than a year later, 15-year-old Kristen French becomes prey for the Bernardos, abducted, walking home from school. And if those were the only images we ever had of Kristen and Leslie, that would be terrible enough. But none of us was prepared for the horrors to come out of that courthouse as we learned of the final hours of their lives. A chronicle of degradation, dehumanization, and torture. He said it was to satisfy an out-of-control sex life. He said that he enjoyed violating a screaming Leslie Mahaffey as punishment. He said he was aroused, waiting for a sobbing Kristen French to perform sex acts on him. Can we begin to imagine what they suffered? Or the sufferings of their families. And to be in that courtroom, to hear the soul-shattering screams of the two girls, that could only be the peak of the agony they had carried for so long. You want to know that we are thinking of you and that everything can be done is being done. We love you, Kristen, and we are constantly in our thoughts and our prayers. We'll get you home real fast. Thank you. A father's tearful appeal that we'll never forget toward the very start of his daughter's ordeal. They'd already had to deal with their daughter's deaths. During the trial, they had to deal with the horror of how they had lived their last moments. To see their girls violated, to hear them cry out. But the families were there through it all. It is an ultimate act of love for Kristen and Leslie. They endured. Only the there are many ways for you to join our discussion tonight through our city online center by phone at 870-7716. You can also fax us with your comments or questions at 
593 news news or email viking and pulse at citytv.com we'll start taking your comments and speak live with our panel tonight right after a short break we'll be right back Registered with our phone poll yet? 870-2242. If yes, you think the Crown should have cut a deal with Carla Homolka, 870-4424. If no, you do not. Cal Bernardo, the tapes. Now, A, who in the right mind, unless you're a total perverted freak, would want to view those tapes anyways? That's just insane. Those things should be locked up in a vault or burned or something because no one should see that. I feel sorry for anybody that would want to see that. And if you do, there's a place like this down the street on Young Street, 25-cent peep show. You can get all kinds of that stuff, okay? So you don't need to try. Why would you want to see someone suffer? It doesn't make any sense, all right? If you want to, you're just as sick and twisted as Bernardo and his deranged life. Welcome back to Talk Television. Paul Bernardo, the 31-year-old baby-faced bookkeeper, the boy next door, the mind behind some of the most horrific of crimes. Ben Chin takes us inside that mind now through videotapes, which members of the jury never got to see. Car! Carla! Car! I love the car! Hey, car! God, God, it hurts. Oh, it hurts. You're listening to a sobbing Paul Bernardo begging for Carla Hamalka to come back home, back to the marital bliss that was once captured in these photographs, but was shattered in this flashlight attack in January 93. I, I, I smashed the flashlight against my own head. It hurts a lot. I'm sorry. I didn't know. There's my wife. It was a wedding Carla appeared so proud of that went on in the summer of 91, despite her testimony. Six months earlier, he had forced her into the videotaped sexual assault of her own baby sister, Tammy, along with him. The 15-year-old died, the casualty of a one-night stand that just would not end between her big sister, Carla, the once little girl who loved furry animals, and Paul Bernardo. Wanna be businessman? Wanna be rap star? Did you ever get caught? No, never. Why? I'm a deadly innocent guy. I'll kick your ass and man off sister. The guy who always wanted to be more than just one of the guys. Extreme close up. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but could never imagine becoming anything better than what one of the guys would consider pretty great. A party animal. A Anything can be made to look foreboding and ominous in retrospect. But who would have read so much into one of three fun-loving guys predictably acting like they're in some beer commercial while they're away on holidays? There's nothing special about this street either, just another charming tree-lined suburban street in Scarborough. Well, Bernardo grew up in that house right over there. And now as you listen to some of his ambitions from his so-called suicide tape, take a look at video he shot of his own bedroom, the slogans that he put up on the wall of the things he wanted to be. See, I didn't try to be average, like the average guy. I tried to be larger. I tried to be the best thing that there ever was. Maybe because I needed love. Maybe, I don't know why. I just really tried to be 
the best for everybody. I, I want to be the world. Bernardo always wanted to hear larger-than-life praises from his victims, Kristen French and Leslie Mahaffey, on those other videotapes we can't show you, even as they were forced into degrading sex acts inside this house, this perfect little Port Luzi bungalow police later ripped apart in a futile search for the videos. Here's the basement where Leslie Mahaffey's body was dismembered. Here's the bathroom where Bernardo had Kristen French try on perfume and act for his porno movie. Here's the bedroom where both teens died. She stayed with him through all that, stubbornly, relentlessly, playing house, no matter what was really going on in the real world. There was, there was some right... Idiot. It's right there. Get something. Jesus, you're so stupid. that the victims were swallowed up for such absurd, banal fantasies. A fantasy world you might find hilarious if it wasn't so tragic. I do this one for you. I rub stuff off it, cry stuff off it. I want to do this for you, okay, pal? One, two, three, four. All right, let's get to members, uh, some of our guests who have shown up here tonight. John Rosen, uh, Paul Bernardo's lawyer, thanks for being here tonight. No problem, how you doing? You were quoted at one time, I guess relatively recently, as saying that this guy was just like the rest of us, basically a regular guy, except for the fact that he had a few problems. Do you really believe that? Well, he is a human being, and, uh, and he does start off like the rest of us. He has a certain genetic makeup, and he's subject to whatever environmental pressures uh, growing up as um, some of us are. There's nothing certainly uh, dramatic in his background to give any indication that he would commit some of the offenses that he's alleged to have committed. When it all came out, when you knew what he had done, aside from the fact that you are his lawyer and you must maintain a certain decorum, but as a human being, what kind of things were going through your mind? Well, uh, I, I try and divorce the client from the allegation, otherwise I lose my objectivity. Uh, but, you know, no doubt uh, some of these things are pretty horrendous, and even he admits that they are, and particularly in retrospect. Um, I think um, he's also come to grips with the fact that he's had a problem, something that I don't think he appreciated at the time that they were happening. You will be launching an appeal, of course. You are on record as having said so. Well, I recommended it. Uh, the process is underway. It may take a little bit of time, but certainly that's going to happen. That's, o that's only in respect of the murder convictions, because his position has been and always probably will be that he didn't cause the death of these two girls and therefore isn't guilty of first-degree murder. Uh, on what grounds will you launch the appeal? Is it, you took issue with uh, Judge Lesage's uh, charge to the jury. Will that be the grounds for your appeal? Well, that, that's one of them. There's been a number of legal rulings as well, and uh, that, that occurred during the course of the trial. So that, that'll also form part of it. And there may be other things coming up on the record as well. So. All right, we'll get back to you in a second, John. Uh, part of our interactive format involves a call. We have Craig from Brampton on the line. Good evening, Craig. Good evening. What would you like to say? Um, I just wanted to say that I do agree with the, uh, the Crown making a deal with Homolka because I think at that time they didn't have enough evidence to uh, prosecute, yeah. and I think her, her testimony was crucial. And at the time they didn't have the tapes, which is more crucial, I think, but uh, at the time I still I firmly believe that the, the Crown did their job. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you for calling in tonight, Craig. Ben Shin has followed the case from the outset, uh, or at least, you know, the legalese part of it. But Lauren Honickman, who also uh, worked in our newsroom, 
followed it from the very beginning when the crimes were happening and no suspect was had at that time, Lauren. Well, that's right. I, I, I was reading a lot of interesting things in the paper this weekend about uh, possible inquiries and calls for inquiries, and I remember back then um, doing so many stories looking, for example, for cream-colored Camaros and, and trying to get information out of the Niagara Regional Police back then. So a whole separate issue of this whole case, and it's so enormous, is the investigation itself and what happened at the beginning and what happened with the police at the beginning when they came so close to having Bernardo and, and what lives could have been saved. And uh, there's so much that yet has to come out. And I think back to those, to those years and remembering that back then, we had no information, and there was this big fight between the media and the police, and so many things that came out then. Ben, there, there, there has been heavy criticism of the police throughout the investigation, throughout the trial. A lot of people said, well, you know, they could have had this guy. For example, the night that uh, Bernardo was driving home with Swiss Chalet uh, in his car, and, and somebody had followed him with, uh, with everything but the last digit of his license plate. That's right. There's a, there are a few, actually a couple of women from St. Catharines who uh, called in uh, license plate numbers. One of them got the whole thing right, but uh, I think they had about 12 stalking incidents that year, but they didn't investigate that one. Um, as the author Stephen Williams has talked about, they were more concerned about uh, saw marks on on different things that they were sending away to as far away as Memphis, Tennessee. I mean, that that's all the the background for why you need a deal, uh, you know, at, at that point from the Crown's office. But I wonder, you know, when you look at our phone poll, the numbers are way skewed against the deal, and I wonder if some of those people are saying, we want to know why you got into the position to make that deal, to to have to make that deal. I also have a, actually a question for that last caller. I don't know if he's still there, but the question is, you know, you, you may feel that the deal was necessary at the time in order to go after the, uh, the suspect, but do you think that you needed to cut Carla Hamulka another deal uh, once this trial got underway in, in the Jane Doe sexual assault? Should that have been swept under so, because she was testifying? We have somebody on the line now from Dundas who began the petition against Carla. Good evening. Hello. What would you like to say? Uh, well, um, I, uh, I don't think that they should have made the deal either, the second deal, and I, I believe that also um, uh, encompassed Tammy, the sister. I, I, like she told that after they found the tapes, and they said that um, uh, she sit in, sat in jail, I guess, and thought, well, gee, they found those tapes. Uh, what about the argument, though, if they, if they didn't do the deal with Carla, they basically had nothing against Bernardo, because at that point they didn't have the videotapes. That's right, but when they did have the videotapes and then they realized there were two other victims on the tapes, they didn't have to make another deal with her. Yeah. They could have had her right there and they could have charged her with first-degree murder. Yeah. Where's Christy? Christy Blatchford from the Toronto Sun. Have you ever covered anything as remotely horrific as this in your career? Um, as horrific, but not for such a prolonged period of time. I mean, that was the tough part, I suppose, on this, yeah. What did you come away from the trial feeling like? <laughs> dreadful um but i mean tired emotionally drained all the things that everybody i think involved in it feels and uh, unsatisfied I, I i don't blame lawyers for being nervous about the prospect of having politicians try and undo what is done in the court system deals such as this but i think what the public is probably owed is some sort of accounting uh, from people in the Attorney General's office, the architects of this deal, just to tell us what their rationale was, to tell us what their thinking was. The only kind of explanation we've ever had it came from Ray Houlihan sort of toward the end of the trial, and he wasn't one of the deal makers. I, I'd like to hear from Murray Siegel and uh, Michael Code, and I think we should. Murray Siegel is basically the architect of the deal, is he not? Um, a as I suspect, uh, Michael Code is too. I believe he was pretty, pretty involved, and I mean, perhaps this was a 
this was a political decision in the end uh, coming out of uh, the then Attorney General's office, Marion Boyd, and perhaps she should be asked a few questions too. And that's not to say we should undo it, but that we should be told what the hell went on. We'll get back to Carla's deal and the Bernardo trial right after a short break. We'll be right back with our talk television special. We're counting your vote. 870-2242 if you think the Crown should have cut a deal with Carla Homolka. 870-4424 if no, you do not. We'll update the numbers all night long. Give you the final tally tomorrow night at 6. deal the crown shop with Carla Homolka. I mean, I'm not against I'm not totally against the plea bargain that they call it North American continent, but that was a little unfair, I mean, for her to get a manslaughter, which was 12 years. I think she should have gotten the first degree. Welcome back to Talk Television. One of the most controversial aspects of the Bernardo trial was the deal cut by the Crown with Carla Homolka, the plea bargain deal. Many people believe that whole thing should be reopened. But first, before we get into that, here's how the deal came about in the first place. February 1993. The sex slings of two schoolgirls long unsolved. Green Ribbon Task Force, cream-colored Camaro, thousands of phone tips, the backdrop of the deal. Early 1993, a bruised and battered Carla Bernardo is removed by her father from the house she shared with husband Paul. She talks to Niagara police about her alleged abuse, but when the Green Ribbon Task Force first calls her, she puts them off. Instead, goes to a bar, meets a man, that's a good time. Only days later does she talk with detectives. Then goes to lawyer George Walker. The deal wheels were in motion. And on February 17th, Paul Bernardo's arrest. But why pursue the deal? Why then? In his closing arguments here at the Bernardo trial, Prosecutor Ray Houlihan suggested that prior to the final deal with Carla Homolka, police had really no hard evidence linking Paul Bernardo to the French Mahaffey murders. Police spent weeks searching the couple's Port Dalhousie house, but DNA results would not be available for months, and the key evidence, the infamous videotapes, would not surface for over a year. Tapes chronicling the sex assaults of Kristen French, Leslie Mahaffey, Tammy Homolka, tapes removed from Bernardo's house by his former lawyer, Ken Murray. Tapes Murray did not hand over until he quit the case 16 months later, in September 1994. It was against that backdrop, no videotapes and little direct evidence, that Carla Homolka's deal was struck. At first, Homolka's lawyers demanded blanket immunity. It was detailed in this handwritten statement by the then Carla Bernardo, dated February 13, 1993. Immunity that, quote, would have pertained to any alleged offenses committed by me or any offenses that I am alleged to have been a party to or accessory to. But there was to be no blanket immunity. The deal-making went back and forth. Still no videotapes. Desperate for evidence to damn Bernardo, but wary of giving an accomplice no time, the two sides settle for a 10-year sentence. Five for Kristen French, five for Leslie Mahaffey. 
Are you in the Christmas cheer? That's all I want to know. Yeah. You are? Only after police began probing the death of Carla's baby sister, Tammy, was the deal reworked to 12 years. For her testimony, her help, the Crown promised not to interfere with her parole. Then, just this past June, the Crown decided not to charge Hamalka for her part in the videotaped sex assault of a woman the court called Jane Doe, an assault Hamalka said she did not remember. So, by June, Carla Hamalka was waiting to testify against her ex-husband. Now she waits for the full parole that could be hers by the summer of 1997. Back to the phones now. On the line with us, Carol from Burlington. Carol, I understand you were a friend of uh, Leslie Mahaffey. Is that correct? Yes, actually, my daughter and Leslie grew up together. They went to public school together, and they had their 13th birthday pajama party. And mm -hmm. um, I, I just want people to realize that it, it's not forgotten. It's um, sh She'll never be the same. The pictures are on the wall. Mm -hmm. I can't begin to tell you what it's done to our family. Obviously very traumatic for your daughter as well as your whole family, as, especially at an age of 13, 14. Uh, this hits pretty hard. Yes, very hard. It's, uh, in North Burlington, we went through hell. We, we couldn't let our daughters out. We, we spent times with Debbie Mahaffey, you know, and when the radio announcement came that the, the body they found had brown hair and brown eyes, we were relieved. Yeah. I had to phone a radio station, and when they identified it as Leslie, I can't tell you what happened. Carol, what did you think of the deal the Crown cut with Carla Homolka? It makes me sick. Mm -hmm. The whole thing makes me sick. And that lawyer that sits there and says, Paul Bernardo started out normal. He was never normal. He was evil from day one. What he did isn't even human. I, I can't, I know in his heart, he knows what we feel like with daughters that we can't imagine must have suffered what Leslie and Kristen did. Mm -hmm. Adults don't suffer that way. Yeah. Um, they're, usually their murderers are kinder. This man was an animal and doesn't deserve to live as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Thank you very much for calling in, Carol, Thank you, tonight. George. Uh, these were not the acts of a rational human being. Why didn't you go for a plea of insanity? Uh, I'd rather not say. <laughs> um, there are a variety of reasons. We had, uh, we had our reasons, and I really can't discuss it. But just an answer to what this lady has to say. I want to make it perfectly clear that uh, Mr. Bryan and I, Ms. Doyle, who formed the defense team, uh, had ev every sympathy with the victims and their families. And as a matter of fact, the way we conducted the trial, the way from beginning to end, uh, at least we hope, uh, was in consideration of that. Nobody could undo the harm that's been done. Nobody could bring these girls back to life. It's the, issue, the issues were, were limited. There were legal issues. Uh, there was no... Uh, a situation here where Mr. Bernardo was protesting his innocence, uh, what he was saying is that I didn't commit murder. I committed the other offenses and I deserve to be punished. And then he said that under oath. Is the reason you didn't go for a plea of insanity the fact that when you go to a home for the, or an institution for the criminally insane, you probably never get out, whereas you thought you might have a shot of getting them off the murder charges? No, no, I, I, that, that, that wasn't it at all. Uh, there, there were other reasons, but that wasn't the one. Uh, Mr. Porter, has there, is there precedent for overturning uh, the deal with Carlo that the Crown has done? Is there any way that that deal can be overturned? There's not a precedent that I'm aware of. I would, I would think that it would be impossible this time to overturn that uh, deal that was made with Carla Homolka. I mean, the public wants blood. I mean, they want her nailed. Uh, how can it be done, or can it be done? Uh, new evidence, new charges? 
I think they have to go to the parole board. I think the public has to save their pro their uh, protest for the uh, the parole board. I don't think there's anything that can be done through the courts. Um, it, it, it's it's hard to understand why there was immunity offered on the Jane Doe transaction, which wasn't part of the uh, original deal, and, and, and maybe that will be explained at some point. Um, but so far as the original deal with respect to uh, French and Mahaffey, it's, it's a done deal. Oh, yes, there's clearly an issue with respect to Jane Doe. I mean, let's face it, uh, here's a woman who claims not to have remembered anything. Um, she called 911 twice on one occasion um, because this woman was in distress. Uh, and then the second time to call the ambulance off and she doesn't remember I mean that's just impossible no one could possibly buy into that story and the uh, deal that the government made with her this time around uh, right before she was to take the stand is just uh, unconscionable which brings to mind Ken Murray Ben yeah absolutely where was where was where was his mind while this was going on well I, I don't know uh, Ken Murray and I haven't spoken since he he um, got off the Paul Bernardo case um, there is certainly uh, questions but only he can answer at what I mean he, he quit over moral and ethical grounds we we don't know when he sure. he believed that he had those problems um, actually when, when when I was listening to you talking to all the lawyers there I was wondering what Priscilla de Villiers would think about the deal uh, I know I mean it, it seems when you look over the deal the victims families had to have been consulted what's caveats position on I mean how do you feel Priscilla looking at Carla Hamalka going to jail for 12 years maximum and possibly being out earlier than that well, um, obviously it's very distressing and I have to say I went into my office for two quiet hours yesterday and had over 30 phone calls of people absolutely outraged. So I think there is a, a great sense of moral outrage. I think we have to remember that when the deal was made with Carla Hamaka, they did not have anything else. And there was enormous public pressure and fear of this person on the streets. I so wonder if there's something that I, I think I heard Christy raising earlier, which is this, that part of my own pro personal problem with the deal is the way it was sold. Uh, the Attorney General, the, the, the sort of the Michael Coates, the Murray Siegels, they're way up there. You never get to touch them. You never get to see them. You just see their robes passing in the halls. They make this deal on behalf of all of us who pay their Not salaries. Not to defend what There's... they did, Ben, but they were between a rock and a hard place, weren't they? Well, why don't they tell us that? Well, they should tell us, I agree. But more than that, they weren't between a rock and a hard place when it came to Jane Doe. And there was new evidence that the defense brought out at trial, which shows that there were two assaults and that uh, uh, Carla Hamoka had only barely remembered uh, one. So, I mean, there, there may be grounds to reopen that matter. And there's certainly somebody in that Attorney General's office should tell us w what were they thinking that on the eve of her testimony, they have to offer her uh, and some new protections in the Jane Doe matter. And the other thing is, and, and Priscilla would be interested in this, is that uh, neither Jane Doe nor her parents agreed to this sort of second deal being offered. They were, in fact, solidly opposed to it. They, they, they wanted no part of it. And the AG's office, which was so solicitous of the Mahaffey and French families, basically told them to take a hike. Let's get some equal airtime from the star here. Your observations on the deal? Well, it was necessary. And the, the thing to look at here is the tapes were in the house on the 30th. And the deal was signed, the final deal was signed two weeks later. Uh, they didn't find the tapes. That was what they had to do. What will happen to, to Ken Murray now? I mean, uh, I mean, a lot of people screaming for his head. He had the tapes while this deal was going down. He, he could have brought them forward. I mean, you did when you had them. Well, 
I don't think anybody should discuss what's going to happen to Mr. Murray per se because there's an ongoing investigation and we have yet to see the results of that investigation. However, uh, you're giving me the legal standpoint here. The guy is in serious hot water and should be roundly well, punished sure, for what I'm he not did. Sure John can actually I'm not talk sure. about I, it. I, I yeah. can do that. I'm only defense counsel. I'm not a prosecutor, but I can say as a defense counsel uh, that my understanding of the law clearly is that you're not permitted to suppress real evidence. And if a lawyer comes into possession of real evidence, that lawyer is obliged to turn it over to the authorities. And, uh, and the other thing is that if you have a question about it, go to the Law Society, ask them for an opinion, and then act on the opinion. From what you just told me, it's case closed as far as Ken Murray's concerned. Let's get back to the phone. Sherry from Toronto. Good evening, Sherry. Hi. What would you like to say tonight? I'd like to know how come uh, he's not getting 25 years per murder and additional time for each other conviction, and how his lawyer can sit there and call him human when he's far from human. Yeah. Now, why is he getting 25 years and not uh, two consecutive sentences? Very simple. Uh, you can only go one life to live. And so you can go out and kill 15 people and only spend 25 years? No, you can only spend one life in jail, all right? And you may die there. The sentence is a life imprisonment. Nobody should ever forget that. That's what he's sentenced Yeah, but the, the, the sentence is life, no chance of parole, for 25 years? That's right. You can't so it's conceivable the guy could be in there for 100 years? Oh, sure, if he wants to live that long. I mean, I can't imagine why anybody would want to live that long in Kingston Penitentiary. But uh, after 25 years, uh, you make an application. That doesn't guarantee any success. There will be people like uh, Mrs. Devilliers and, and other friends who will be down there um, to, make, uh, to make the application against him getting parole. And, and, um, and God bless them for that if that's their position and strongly held. I don't have any problem with that. All right, we'll get back to more pertinent issues about the Bernardo case and Carla's deal when our talk television special continues after a short break. Should the Crown have cut a deal with Carla Homolka? That's tonight's phone poll question. If yes, you think it was proper, call 870-2242. No, 870-4424. Watch for results on City Pulse. Should have heard. I think when I turned on the TV, I didn't want to hear quotes from what he said. And, you know, I mean, it's a sex slaying beating, and they were killed. I mean, these girls were killed, and their families are reliving these events on TV, and I just don't think that it's right. Welcome back to our talk television special on the Bernardo trial. As Ben Chin and every other media person here, I'm sure, would agree, this was a grueling and emotional experience, the Bernardo trial, very tough to cover. So tonight, our videographer Dan Petkovsek got a look, a closer look at the media by turning his camera on the people behind the cameras. Walk by and yell stuff at us, like, you know, with parasites, et cetera, et cetera. But I think people want to know about it. I just think it's really gross and vulgar and really obscene. Why are we here, then? I mean, as I said, we report on things, we don't create them. Has anyone ever called you a ghoul for being here? Oh, yeah. Well, people come by and they, they shout out their car window, ghoul, just that, ghoul, media scum, stuff like that. At the beginning, um, I think we were, we, were, we were described as voyeurs and uh, just trying to sell newspapers and that kind of thing. I think a lot of people, when I talked to them, I said, I'm covering the furniture, they say, oh, you're, you know, you're sick and blah, 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 and why would you guys do that? 
But as, as details start to emerge about Carlo Hamolka's role, all of a sudden it, the tables turn. There's more than just a, a, a double murder here. Um, this is about a system that deals with criminals to get other criminals. Carla Homoka was sentenced in a one-day closed-door session two years ago. There was a publication ban slapped on that. I think that people wanted to know, no matter how chilling and horrific the details of the crimes were, to see that justice was being served, because, of course, they did not see that in the Carla Homoka trial. These were bright young women at the in the prime of their lives, and I think by being here every day and writing about it and giving it a lot of attention uh, that we've made them important to everybody i hope so i mean that's what it's all about and also to know that you know evil walks among us i mean it lives next door it's got blonde hair and blue eyes and it's cute as a bug and it can charm the pants off your parents and you know off us sometimes so uh I think it's all really important. I was anxious to be here, and, and certainly from a professional perspective, it's probably the biggest story I'll ever cover in my life. Uh, nothing could prepare you for the reality of sitting through, you know, three and a half, four months of, of just the most despicable, uh, nauseating, uh, it's just evil in that courtroom. It's intrusive later on in your day, or it is a part of your, your life that you, uh, you would stumble, up, you're definitely going to stumble upon it later on. Everyone exposed to this four-month horror show comes away with their own unique mix of pain and understanding. However, most agree it's far better to know the worst than it is to live in ignorance. I'm Dan Petkovsek, outside the University Courthouse for City Pulse. There were people critical of the media's handling of the Bernardo trial. One of them on the phone now, Karen from Downsview. Karen, good evening. Hello, how are you? Fine, thank you. What would you like to say tonight? Well, I understand, uh, you know, all the coverage during the trial, and, mm -hmm. and I was watching it, too. Um, my husband wouldn't watch it. He was very upset by it. But yeah. as a woman and a potential victim, you know, I was interested as well. Mm -hmm. But I feel that now we're all playing into this media frenzy by watching programs like this, and... I know I can't turn away either. I'd like to be able to turn the TV off. I think, do you think maybe we're venting a little bit? We have to know more about why this happened and, and maybe understand a little bit about ourselves as a society as a whole? I think so, and I think that, that part of it is, is seeing as much, of, as much as possible on Paul himself and just trying to understand. I, I just can't understand myself, but the problem is, is that I think that we've removed ourselves from... Um, Kristen and Leslie, and we've become desensitized. And the fact is that nothing can bring these girls back, and yeah. it's all the more hor horrific that we've turned it into an almost entertainment by well, trying to study I, Paul. And it had to be covered nonetheless, Karen. I thank you for calling in. I'm not trying to cut you off, but we do have to move along here, Ben. I think we all suffered some bruises yeah. on our psyche as a result of this thing. Yeah, I, d I don't know if I'd go as far as saying this is entertainment. Um, it's got to be covered. This is, uh, this is an important trial only because there was so much public interest in it. Yeah. Long before Carla Homolka's trial, uh, when Kristen French went missing. One of the things that is hard for a reporter is, and I don't, think, I don't know if others would agree with me here, a criminal trial isn't really about the victims. It's about the accused. Yeah. So th it turns out about whether he's guilty or not. And yes, it is very hard to... I mean, you can't lose focus on Kristen French and Leslie Mahaffey. That just can't happen. But at times, you are talking about his, you know, his guilt or but his the innocence. the focus shifts from the crime to the accused and the process he goes through. Christy, what do you think? Uh, let me get over here at the microphone, first of all. Well, I, I mean, I think the last thing the media was, uh, any of us were in, in this uh, case, was insensitive. I, I think none of us uh, forgot about Kristen French or Leslie Mahaffey. I certainly didn't, and I don't think anybody did. This was a 
this was a terrible thing. And every day you sat in that courtroom, I think it's important for people like the, our last caller to know this. Every day we sat in that courtroom, we thought of her, we sat right beside her parents, their parents, and we, you know, I mean, our pain's a fraction. I'm not pretending it's anything but, but everybody felt awful. Every, the, the defense lawyers felt lousy. I mean, the, the prosecution felt lousy. This was a, a terrible thing, and nobody forgot. I mean, this was the worst example that caller could have picked to say that uh, this was entertainment. This was entertainment for nobody. Nobody wanted this as entertainment. Marianne Boucher, you were there every day in the court. It's your job as a court graphic artist to, to do the sketches. As you're doing that, you're hearing all this stuff. What goes through your mind? Uh, well, um, certainly at the beginning it was, uh, it was pretty horrific, of course, but I tried to find a focus that, uh, to get something out of it. And I think that why we were, why we were all there is because who we value. We value uh, people who are young and uh, strangers who are victimized, plucked off the streets. That's one of our greatest fears because uh, we don't really give enough value to people who aren't strangers of their victims because uh, I work in the courts. I see it all the time. And, that's what I wanted to come, have come out of this, was that there's a big, big thing we have to look at and we have to stop focusing on uh, the sensationalization of it in the sense that they were strangers. Jim, your thoughts? I don't think the victims will ever be forgotten <clears throat> in this. Um, the uh, moments after the verdict, uh, the press conference that was held outside in the steps of the courthouse, uh, the media, the, there were hundreds of people and um, Dan Mahaffey came out with his family and uh, made a, a prepared statement and and Mr. French came out and did the same afterwards and there were many wet eyes in that, that crowd and I don't think the media are ever going to forget what they heard in that courtroom. I don't think people are ever going to forget about these young women. Uh, I want to ask you, uh, from being from the Rape Crisis Center and, and the position that Carla took of being the, the bruised and the, and the abused, battered wife syndrome, she would not be a poster girl. Uh, no, she wouldn't be a poster girl for battered wife syndrome, which is kind of a lousy concept anyways. But um, I, I believe she was battered and she was uh, treated very horribly by this man. But she, everyone has to take responsibility for their behavior. Um, many, many, many battered women, um, the, the moment that they run is the moment that the violence affects someone else. That is most often when, when, in my experience, battered women leave the home or change the situation or decide this is getting to be too much. So I think it would be a mistake to say that Carla Homolka was a typical anything, frankly, and, uh, and um, it's a very complex situation and issues of violence are very complex and I think um, one thing we're always trying to do is make them very simple so that we can understand them, so that we can explain it, and then we can put the blame in one place and then it goes away because then it's all explained and wrapped up nicely. And in this case, of, if anything, has shown us how complex violence, sexual violence, physical violence, uh, pornography, all of these elements, how complex it is. All of these factors enter into it. Uh. I got a question. Do you want to pick up on something Mary Ann said earlier? You know, um, in terms of our interest in this case, do you think there is an element of that, that this is a stranger abducting strangers, so we're attracted to it? You, you get calls every day. Uh, you know, those cases, if they went to trial, you, you certainly wouldn't see risers being put up outside 361 oh. University and daily coverage of it. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think the frightening thing about this case for most people was who the... Um, uh, who Paul uh, and Carla are, the blonde, blue-eyed, uh, typical young, you know, health... Barbie and Ken. Barbie and Ken. And that's what shocks people so much. And I do, 
I do believe sometimes the media really does focus on the stranger situations. Frankly, if the media were to report every rape and every case of abuse that goes on, the media would have no room for anything else in mm. the pages of its newspaper. So. Uh, no question. We don't, let me just, uh, I'm sorry, Priscilla. Uh, we have a, uh, a fax just come in uh, saying, uh, as a man, I'm ashamed. As a father, I'm outraged. Now that this part is over, it really isn't over and never will be. How many more Paul Bernardos are out there? Who will protect the rest? Canadian law will have to change. It's the only protection we can turn to. Kim Doyle, you had to sit beside this guy for a long time. And, and I, I saw you interviewed by Ben Chin uh, last week or so, and, and you said it you know, really wasn't all that terrible. A lot of people would say, how could you sit next to a monster and, and talk to this guy and, and interact with him? For two and a half years, that was my job, to get inside this man's head, to find out the facts, to uh, assist both counsel and originally Mr. Murray in, uh, in putting this case together. Did you feel like you had to run home and take a shower every time you spent some time with this guy? No, no. It's my responsibility to do that, and you do it to the best of your ability. You have to put it into perspective. You have to take your own personal feelings and put them aside and do your job. But you do have personal feelings, and obviously they're there, and, and I'm interested in what some of them are. It's The acts were horrific, and there's no getting ar around that. But uh, as a member of the legal community, I feel I have a responsibility to ensure that uh, justice is done appropriately. And sometimes that means that you can't have your own personal feelings. You have to just uh, do what you think is best. And in this case, um, I tried to do the best I could. And maybe in the future, I'm going to have to deal with these personal feelings that I've had to put aside. Post-traumatic stress sort of thing? I can't necessarily say that. It might be. We it, it, we, yes. All right, let's get back to the phones. Richard's on the line from Scarborough. Richard, good evening. Yes, hi. What would you like to say tonight? Yes, my question is for uh, Mr. Rosen. How do you feel about the verdict of first-degree murder uh, for Paul Bernardo? When I, from what I've seen and, and read, it was basically his word against hers on who did the killing. That, that's right, and uh, quite frankly, when it comes to her word, if she told me it was daylight, I'd have to go outside and check to see the sun shining. Uh, so I wouldn't believe anything she says. Now, on the other hand, uh, there was a lot of circumstantial evidence that uh, a jury could use to, to make certain inferences, and one never knows how they arrived at their verdict. I think that uh, part of the problem was the judge's charge to the jury didn't make the law of murder very clear. That's why we're appealing. Michael, uh, John Rosen here said earlier on that he's the greatest lawyer in Ontario. Something like this. Didn't you say that? No, no, come here. Uh, no, Ray Houlihan said it twice, and Ben asked me if I agreed with Ray Houlihan. I said I didn't agree very much with that. But And the check's in the mail. Michael, would you have taken the same tack as, as John Rosen did if you were defending Bernardo? I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if I'd have called him as a witness. Um, Why? Uh, well, I... I'm not sure he wasn't. For the benefit of those at home, John Rosen just said, if you don't call him, he's dead in the water. Why wouldn't you have called him? I don't think the, uh, the defense case was any stronger than after uh, uh, Ms. Homolka was uh, cross-examined. And I think uh, uh, it went downhill with uh, Mr. Bernardo because of the, the way he testified. Um, and that's hindsight, of course. Um, and uh, uh, I, I, I'm not sure I would have done Tuesday it the same night, way. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back to the phones. Nancy's on the line from Mississauga. Good evening, Nancy. Good evening. What would you like to say tonight? 
My question is directed to uh, John Rosen. I wanted to yes. know how he can sit there and smile pretty for the camera, but not only that, how can he go to sleep at night knowing that he's uh, taking taxpayers' money to defend this criminal? Well, Nancy, let me tell you something. The system is there not for the Paul Bernardos of the world, but it's there to protect people like you and I. And if the system doesn't work for Paul Bernardo, it won't work for you if you get charged, and it won't work for me. So I'm there for you, not for necessarily for him. You get the feeling that you're drawing some of the hate directed at Bernardo, that it's, uh, that, you know, it's some of it's piling up on your head. It comes with the territory. I mean, uh, it's been happening for 25 years, so it's not unusual. But, uh, you know, I wish people would uh, stop and think about what they're saying. Uh, this particular case was a vindication of Canadian justice. We didn't have the, the media circus and the shenanigans that have been going on in L.A. Mr. Bryant and I, Ms. Doyle, Mrs. Doyle, all started out this case uh, resolved not to turn the trial into another O.J. Simpson trial, and I think everybody should be proud of the fact that the system worked. Our talk television special on the Bernardo case and Carla's deal will continue after a break. We're counting your vote. 870-2242 if you think the Crown should have cut a deal with Carla Homolka. 870-4424 if no, you do not. We'll update the numbers all night long. Give you the final tally tomorrow night at 6. They should be killed for what they did because if they murdered someone, they deserve to be murdered themselves. And as for Paul Bernardo, he deserves worse. He put those girls through hell and he deserves hell himself. So yeah, capital punishment should be reinstated in Canada. Coming close to uh, the end of our program tonight, only a couple of minutes left. We'll ask some, for some final thoughts, Ben. Well, um, I guess a, a couple of weeks ago, one of the other newspaper columnists, not Christie, said that there are no winners in this trial, and I, it was in a different context, but I have to strongly disagree with the, that tonight. I think society was a great winner in this. It was a horrible, horrible trial, but somehow the system was able to manage it. The judge was able to manage it, the defense lawyers were able to, the Crown were able to, the media were able to. The public is good and angry about Carla's deal, and that's a good thing because we keep, that's the way we keep bureaucrats accountable to us and politicians accountable to us. But the whole thing did work on a personal level for all that winning that I've talked about. You walk away from this and you are scarred and you cannot forget the victims. That's, that's the one thing. Um, when, when I first started this trial, I thought that I would be struck by the horror forever. The horror slips away. The, right. the shock slips away. I think the victim's families right. will remain Thank with you, me. Ben. John, uh, you'll have to carry this one around for the rest of your life. Obviously, you feel you did the best job you could, but defending a guy like this must, I don't know, must make your skin crawl at some point. Uh, no, actually, uh, being able to defend and put on a, a, a defense, a viable defense in front of a jury, actually makes me feel good because it means that I did my duty. Uh, the jury disagreed with our position, but at least, as I said before, the system worked, and it means I can defend the next person with the same vigor and the same confidence in the system. Priscilla, our thoughts and hearts must be with victims and their families tonight. Yes, certainly. Uh, they have now got to pick up the pieces and try to move on. But I think the one lesson that's come out of this is that we must never forget any of the victims of any of these horrendous trials. And I think all too, it's all too easy. And hopefully, if one good thing is to come out of that, it's that we will understand the horror and the pain that is perpetrated on innocent people. 
Thank you, Priscilla, and thank each and every one of you for being here tonight. We sincerely appreciate your thoughts and your insights into the case, and we pretty well run out of time. We'll have the final results of our phone poll question, should the Crown have cut a deal with Carla Homolka on City Pulse at 6 tomorrow evening? And for more news, watch for Mark Daly later tonight at 11 o'clock on behalf of everyone here. Thanks for tuning in, and good night from City Pulse.